0: Good morning, cheer City Church. How are you doing today? Good to see all of you. Glad you're here. Hope you're having a nice weekend. I want to welcome everybody to week three of our current teaching series called Emojis. And in this teaching series, we're looking into God's Word to learn how to manage, successfully navigate our emotions in a way that honors God, meaning God's given us emotions to enhance our lives, to, to, to draw us closer to Him. To, to bring spice to life, huh? But when our emotions control us and we're not living them out in a God-honoring way, those emotions can be very destructive, huh? And so we want to learn how to handle our emotions so that we're kind of managing them and they're not controlling us. So in week one, we talked about the emotion of sorrow. Week two, we learned about navigating successfully the emotion of anger. Next week, we're going to talk about the emotion of fear, Oh. Don't miss next week as your pastor. Do not miss next week. Bring a friend, bring a relative next week. And this week, I want to talk to you about successfully navigating the emotion of compassion, huh? Yeah. Now, a good amount of what I'm sharing with you today came from a, a teaching by a guy named Craig Rochelle. He's a pastor out in Nebraska, or Oklahoma. Sorry, Craig. Life Church. Got some great stuff. And it just was good. I was talking to Mike, and, you know, he hit he hit it from an angle that really, I think, speaks to, in a, in a kind of a creative way, what's kind of contributing to this dilemma of understanding compassion, living it out in our lives today, not only outside the church, but in the church. So listen, social media, are you familiar with it? Yeah, OK, here. Yeah. So it has an upside and a downside. Upside, you get to promote things that are important to you—church, you know, family events, great, you know, good causes can get out there. You can connect kind of quickly, almost instantaneously, to people you, you know, you, you know, you know, friends and relatives. The downside, huh? Let's talk about the downside to social media. University of Michigan did a really comprehensive study over 30 years, and they found out from when they first started the study in the early like late 70s early 80s to probably 2009 2010 they said they tracked a 40% de- decrease in the amount that people in the amount of compassion that people have that's a big drop huh meaning that people in 2009 as a whole were 40% less compassionate than people in 1979 1980 that's concerning so the question is, why? Why are people caring less? And there's lots of theories, but the one we're going to talk about today or look to, it's not the whole thing, is about this social media. And is, is social media causing us to care less? Well, consider this. First, because of social media, we're more obsessed with ourselves. Huh? Now, for many people, taking a selfie is really normal. Let me tell you, it's really not. <laughs> Right? you got the driving my car selfie. You've got the duck face selfie, girls are better than guys. you got the me and my best selfie. you got the kissing somewhere cool selfie, right? you got the me and my cute pet selfie. you got the, the silly selfie, the serious selfie. You've got the me and my food selfie. Who cares what you're eating? I don't care, you know? If it didn't come from Brooklyn or New York, it's not that good anyway. And then you got the I'm looking really great in this outfit selfie, so you know, everybody's got to know about it, really. We've, com- we've become somewhat obsessed with ourselves, right? Now, people just didn't do this to this extent prior to the rise of social media, right? I mean, 80% of what we're doing on social media is directed to ourselves. Did they like my post? Are they following me? Did they comment on my post? You know? And when, and when we see this, something happens with us. In our brain, this little dopamine thing gets released. Like, oh, wow, you know, we're like, we're like, we got this platform, and we're like this star, and this is energetic. So it only causes us to keep engaging in this way, which really is not healthy. The ne- another way social media causes us to be less compassionate is that there's this overwhelming exposure to suffering, and it desensitizes us. This is something I noticed years ago. I noticed this when I was working in uh, in lower income uh, projects and and areas in, in Connecticut. And not even so much with social media, but just what was going on in the lives of people. The more pain we see, it's harder to care. Years ago, prior to social media and the Internet, you just didn't see that much suffering. I'm not saying it didn't exist. You didn't see it. You weren't exposed to it. So you had... A commercial showing kids starving in Africa, and you just, you kind of felt sad, right? Just, you know, something happened inside you. I remember the day J- you see pictures or videos about the day JFK, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated. People are gathering around television sets at home or, or even in like a storefront, and they're just, they're crying. Uh, how about when, jo- when John, L- I remember waking up in the morning, walking out, picking up the newspaper, and, and you know, the, the daily news, John Lennon killed, <gasps> you know? Look across the street, and they see somebody sitting on their porch, like their head down. For like two or three days, it was just like low. Like people were just processing this. Whether you like Lennon or not, he was just kind of part of the culture, and and he was terribly and horrifically and tragically killed. And and that's how it was. Nowadays, you turn on the news, and or you you actually, I don't have any of that stuff coming to my phone. I don't. You know? I see you talking about it. Oh hey, somebody just got killed here! Oops, bomb here! You know, and it's just—it's like one, one, or even one quick clip about a child being abducted. Another quick clip about somebody killing their spouse. Another quick clip about some bomb in another country by some terrorists that killed all these people. And it just comes in so quickly. And it, what happens is because it's we're being overwhelmed, it's not having the same emotional effect on us, and that's not good. So it's like we could be sitting there munching on our popcorn, and that same, you know, clip comes up about the kids dying in Africa, and it's like, well, it's a little, little salty, don't you think? You know. Listen, with social media, it just keeps coming out as fast. It's like on this timeline, you know, we see it one after the other. So you know, and and because we see it on this timeline, and it, and it's all in the same prominent place, it ha- we see it as the same value. So uh, a recipe for guacamole followed by some professional sports person beating up on his girlfriend followed by a funny cat video followed by some innocent reporter getting beheaded in the Middle East. and yeah, yeah, what well, It's all the same to us. It's not good. Since it's of equal importance in the platform and the way you're seeing it, it's just we register it that way. All right, last. There are more, but here's the last way social media causes us to care less. And that is... This, it's a lack. This lack of personal interaction makes it easy not to care. Mm. Yeah. Yesterday, Chris and I, we we were volunteering for uh, uh, the homeschool convention. Meet, it meets at the D.C.U. Center, a large event, a couple of thousand people. And uh, we stepped out for lunch. We're walking down, walking in downtown Worcester, and I happen to glance into a restaurant, you know, through the glass, and I see the, you know, see this woman sitting at a table with two other people. And, and you can see, I see her head like drop, as I look, she, her head drops down. And you can see she's just filled with sorrow. I mean, you can just see by the way she's moving, she's sobbing. And I, and I slow down and I'm looking and I see to her left, this man is there and he, and he takes her hand. I see another woman to her, to her right and places her hand on her back in a consoling manner. Compare that to the message, my husband left me. Sorry to hear that, you know, <laughs> sad face, praying for you. And maybe they do pray, maybe they don't pray, huh? Right? You see the difference here? Listen, I I, I, I get it. it. It's nice to be able to communicate quickly, but, but what's happening is this has become the bulk of what it is because this somehow has really replaced this interacting with one another, you know, this personal interaction that somehow we've kind of, settled that this we're interacting but we're not really interacting in a personal way huh i felt sad for the woman i did i i, I stopped and i i, I told chris i just I, I i said hold on i just i just i feel so sad for her i, I just it, it is it's just how god's made me i think it's how he truly made us you know it's funny when i when i one of the things that kept me from coming to christ is that when I would, it really wasn't as much, you know, sleeping around or, you know, partying or doing this. Th- that wasn't it at the core. What the core was, I, I was one of it was that when I would start coming to church or thinking about Jesus, I would start caring about people, you know? Now instead of doing what I wanted to do for myself, I would think about them. If i seen, you seen know, a homeless person, I, I'd want to help them. If i seen a prostitute, I'd go, oh, look, you, here, you know, here's some food, oh, you gotta to go to church. It, was, it would give me a headache. Did you ever see the movie The Green Mile where the guy's actually feeling people's pain, you know? I just like I felt like I wanted to fix so many people and it was too hard. And then one day I realized that, you know what, I need more fixing than anybody else, huh, right? oh, I got it, and I just turned to God, and then I relied on God, and I trusted in God, and through that, God helped me work through all of that, in and in a, in a, in a, in a, that compassion was not an inconvenience, was not an obligation, that it was something that he had given me to draw closer to him, and it was about him, and not really even them, as a, you know, primarily, That that was a lot, okay, Listen, because so many people are connecting online, and I mean connecting, I mean like, you know, comparing. I, I got to pause now because I will go berserk in this comparison thing, you know? It is so unhealthy. It's another sermon, man. I, it's a series, actually. And it is so unhealthy to sit there and spend a half hour, an hour, an hour and a half. It is so damaging to your emotions. I, I'm just going to step out here and tell you. All right, let's get back on track. So people are kind of, they think they're living out relationships when they're doing it online, and you're not. One of the reasons why we emphasize and we focus on small groups in this church, what we call life groups, is this reason right here. We want to give you an opportunity to truly and sincerely and genuinely connect with people as God intended, right? Right? Because there are things you can do in circles that you can't do in rows. And I coming to church on Sunday is meaningful. But maybe you're not going to have that extra time or, or that environment to connect in a healthy way with people as you would in a, in, a, in a small group. I think they end this week. But our next session starts up in the beginning of June sometime. We'll be talking about it. We'll be promoting it. You'll be able to sign up in two or three weeks, I think, for it. Or sometime soon, right? Listen, so what's the challenge? We need to understand that as a follower of Jesus, God calls us to so much more than a praying for you post. God calls us to compassion, yes? So I want to share two key thoughts on biblical compassion. The first is true compassion demands action. Yeah, the word compassion in the Bible, it literally means to have the bowels yearn, meaning to have your insides like just yearn which means that you're so touched by the suffering of another person that you literally deep down inside are compelled and you need to do something to alleviate their suffering, to help meet that need. Like when I'm walking with Christian, I'm like, you know, I just, I, I just wow, I, I just I just sense this woman's pain. but it's it's, I don't even know her. Now, you might not always go, you might not go to that extent, but the point is that you realize that this is a healthy feeling this compassion that it's going to move you deeply inside that God built you to respond and to behave in such a way. Here's a usual friendly definition of compassion. Compassion is a is feeling is a feeling of deep sympathy that moves you to a constructive action. So compassion, biblically speaking, it's not just an emotion, it's an action. And that's important. To understand in this emoji series that compassion isn't an emotion, it's also an action. It moves you to action. The next key thought regarding biblical compassion is to say you care, but not to act is to not to care at all. Did you get that? What happens? We see something on Instagram or Facebook. Someone's going through a hard time. And, you know... And, and and we say, oh wow, they need prayer, so I need prayer. So we click on it like a thumbs up, right? Huh? We you know post something quickly. Click that. Click this. Listen, caring is not clicking. Caring is acting. Years ago, I'm at this conference, and I want to do this quickly. It uh, really had such a, a profound impact on me as as a person. And and as a minister, um, and even as a parent eventually. It just was one of those moments where I drew closer to God and and, and I'm just gonna have to summarize it in a few minutes. I, I, I wow, it just came to me this morning, I forgot the woman's name, but in summary, uh, there's a woman, I went to a conference and she gets up there and she starts talking, huh? And she says how, you know, she was uh, you know, probably in her mid thirties and she's working for an an ad agency in Los Angeles she's an executive she's got an executive position she steps out for lunch one day she's sitting there reading the paper she comes across this article about the tragedies that are taking place in the lives of children in Romania and at that time the Romanian government has imploded they've put you know they've been put out of power this chaos going on and in the duration of the reign of the recent government they were People could not afford to take care of their children. The government was taking the children and putting them in orphanages. And there were hundreds of thousands of kids in orphanages. And when the government imploded, they just let them out into the streets. So there were thousands of children roaming around the streets of Romania, and they're being physically abused. They're being sexually abused. They're being mistreated. And she said, I was filled with compassion. She goes right then. I just was overwhelmed with compassion. So she asks... She arranges to get a flight down to Romania, Bucharest, where she'll meet a guide. She gets down there, she gets in a Jeep, The guy takes her into the city. She goes, "We're going down the main thoroughfare, and I'm looking around, and, and I'm kind of surprised. I, I'm not seeing any children. I mean, it wasn't consistent with what I read. And she said, "And then the guide pulls over into the middle of the street, gets out, takes out this iron pipe, motions to me, walks over to the cap of the sewer, the sewer cap, the grating, lifts it up, waves to me to follow him. We, she was unthinkably, when I reflect back, I follow him. We go down into the sewers, we take 10 steps, give or take, and there in the beams of, our, of my flashlights, I see lined up on both sides of the sewer wall, dozens and dozens and dozens of little faces. And here are these children stacked all around each other and she said, "I'm so overwhelmed. I just start to weep. And then when they see me crying, they come running at me, jumping on me, hugging me, touching me." She said, "I was changed forever. I went back home. She le- I, I left my job. And within you know within months, I was back there to give my life, to serve God and to touch and to help the lives of these children." She went on to give some incredible. Just mind-boggling testimonies. So you see, she was filled with compassion, meaning she was moved internally and she acted, right? That's a good example of biblical compassion, an emotion that moves you to action. Caring is not clicking on something. It's actually being involved to make a difference. Caring is not liking a post. Rather, it's loving another person. When you look at the life of Jesus, you see he was moved to compassion, and that it was so much more than a feeling in his life that he took action based on his compassion. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 41 says, Now a leper came to him, Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus moved with compassion, the Bible says, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing and be be cleansed. And the man was healed. And, you know, look at that word, how Jesus was moved with compassion. He did something. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14 says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, Some blind men came to Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus had compassion and he touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So You see, Jesus felt compassion before he acted. True compassion demands and compels action. To say you care but not to act is to not to care at all. I know we think, and you. I want you to get that today, as followers of Christ, of people who are kicking around the tires of Christianity, this is what it is, a core component to truly following Jesus. This is what a core component of what it is to be a community of Christ followers, is to believe not to act is not to care. And to have compassion is to act. The more I think about it, wanting to know Jesus really At the crux of it is the closer you come to jesus the more you care about others and the less you care about yourself i know that's so like anti-culture isn't it it's like let's just decrease our numbers this morning and just tell everybody coming to jesus you're going to care about more about others than yourself but that's been the trajectory of my life and that's been an awesome thing for me because what i was trying to build and what i was trying to hold on to and what i thought life was was so much less than it is to me now my god yesterday we haven't even sat down and talked about this and the, I mean, Oscar was berserk Thursday, Friday, Saturday, into this point. We've just been like nonstop, hour to hour, right? And for a couple of hours yesterday, and really it happened in a moment of about 60 minutes, it just all came into Christy and I, this, this information and this report of what's going on and this and that, that we looked at each other and we, across the table, we just, we began to like our eyes filled up with water as we were hearing about all that God is doing in people's lives, all to see what God is, what is happening, to see the blessings in our kids' lives and other kids' lives, in people's lives, in, in this church. It just was mind-blowing, meaning it's like, wow, we, we, could, we couldn't even made this up. We couldn't even written this script. This is way too incredible. I mean, like, you know, to sit there, we would just, like, lift it out of our seats. And we just, we just haven't, I, I went home, I was so exhausted, I went to sleep. <laughs> and I haven't, we really haven't processed it yet. Well, maybe we'll go out tonight and we'll talk about it. But to have that moment is just such a beautiful thing, huh? Okay, I went off a bit. Listen, let me ask you a couple of questions about how you're doing with this compassion thing. When's the last time you gave a whole day to serve somebody else, huh? When's the last time you gave an hour in your week to care for somebody else, to serve them? When's the last time you went out of your way financially to make a difference in another person's life? Huh? When's the last time you did something? When's the last time you put aside doing something you wanted to do in order to help someone else, right? As followers of Christ, we should be able to pretty much come up with an answer to one, some, or all of those questions relatively quickly. Now, If you cannot provide an answer to that question as your pastor, who I believe God's brought into your life to guide you, to instruct you, to see God, I'm going to tell you something's wrong. You are missing, one, what God's commanded you. Two, you're missing what God has for you. Three, you're you're not tapping into this wonderful emotion called compassion, that really you're the only one of all of God's creatures, of all of his creation, to have this. Huh? What are you doing? Take a hold of compassion. I, I love the, I love compassion. It, it 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 it's an energy to me. It's a fuel to me. It lifts me out of, of, of the times. It'll take me from the worst places I can be in, from a dark thoughts, From a, it, it just it is such an incredible thing that God has given us to inject something in us that will draw us closer to Him. That'll that'll help us rise above our current circumstances and situations. Don't be a person of circumstance. Don't be a person of situation. Don't do that. Be filled with compassion. Consider others not better than you, but before yourself, humility. Draw closer to God, honor God, and see the person that God has called you to be, huh? I, I read them just all over the place. But I read a, I was reading a, a book briefly. I'm kind of jumping through it by uh, Tim Keller, and it's on marriage. I just read this one line. Let me see if I can get it quickly. He says it was good. He said, marriage is not about self-fulfillment. Marriage is about self-denial. I said, oh, he's good. He's got it. Yeah, so if you're dating in here, if you're engaged, listen to me. Marriage is not self-fulfillment. If you go into marriage thinking this is going to fulfill me, you are going to be massively disappointed. You really are. But if you go into marriage thinking, okay, it's about self-denial. How am I going to deny myself that God would use me to make this person a better person? How am I going to deny myself to see this person draw closer to God? How will God use me in this person's life? You, you are in a good place. You are going to have some wonderful intimacy. You're going to have some great friendship. There's going to be difficulties and challenges. You're going to grow through that, yes? But most of us come into these relationships, most relationships, especially this sacred one, thinking, okay. This is about, this is going to fulfill me. This is a self-fulfillment, and that's biblically not what God intended. And since God is the author of marriage, huh? that's important for us to know, right? I'm all over the place. Okay. Listen, I want to show you kind of practically how to live out compassion in your life, and I want to look to the life of Christ to do that. Huh? I want you to know this, that compassion, as God intended, allows for interruption, right? Like, uh uh-oh, stop right there, you know? Did you say, I'm going to have to interrupt my life? I'm going to have to interrupt my schedule? I'm going to have to interrupt what I've planned? Yeah, if you're going to be compassionate, especially as Jesus was, you're going to have to allow for interruptions, huh? In Mark chapter 6, verse 31 through 34, the Bible says, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Jesus, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Huh? Wow. He had compassion on them. Schedule is interrupted yesterday um you know just when so christian and i are coming back now from lunch we made it to get lunch we split a sandwich after my moment of uh pause there and uh we're coming back and just we're walking down the street got saint vincent's hospital and you know this you know sidewalk and there's a man laying there up against the building on the sidewalk just laying there sleeping on a bag a dirty uh, you know duffel bag dirty duffel bag one sneaker on one sneaker off and he's just laying on the street and i paused and you know and so i uh i said i said hey hi i woke him up he looked up he looked at me and he went back down so let me just start there why did i say hi i always do it's it's just a decent thing to do it's just the right thing to do why you at least hi I never pass by a person who's seemingly in, 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 you know, displaced or tattered and just ignore them. I'll just, hi, how are you? Don't, uh, don't just walk by somebody. Uh, what? Maybe you say hi, they might say, I need something. Well, take off from there. I never, ever walk by somebody. Even a guy sleeping, it was, like, it was just like reflex. Just, hi, how are you? It's how God conditioned me. It's how God conditioned us. So then we can process that in a healthy way. We can be more sensitive to God on what he's going to do in our life, what he's going to do that, that he's brought that into our situation. Just hi. the guy, Will, that hangs out in the parking lot. I know he's Will because I sat down with him. I talked with him. I said hi to him. Three times he just ignored me. So one time I said, hi, my name's Dave. He said, hi, I'm Will. I said, oh, can, can I get you something? He goes, no, I don't want anything. He said, you know what? you have any cigarettes? I said, I don't have any cigarettes, Will. He said, okay. This is like his spot. He hangs out. I see him now. Hey, Will. Hey, how are you? Good. Cool. All right. But we're walking on the sidewalk, and here's this man laying there. And we keep walking. I tell him, like, wow, that's unusual. You know, in New York, I would see that all the time. But here, I, I, it's like, it's just, I don't remember the last time I seen somebody, like, sleeping on a sidewalk. So then we're, we know we're getting close. We gotta, we're, we're pressed for time. We're, we're actually like, we're, we're almost, we're kind of late. And we, we, we run the third floor of the convention. It's a substantial part of the convention. Christy and I, we oversee that part of it. So about several hundred people are going to pour into this area where we have to, you know, be. And I stop as we get in. And I'm like, you know what? Just, just head up there and hold the fort. Just, I got to take care of something. She looks at me. She's like, okay. As at that point, my wife knows I might not see him again for the rest of the day. I went. I got a bottle of water. I ran back across the street, and he was laying there. And I said, "Uh, would you would you like some water?" He said, "Yeah." I thank you. I gave him the water, and uh, and so he responded well. If he would have been nasty, arrogant, I would just put it down and I would. But he responded well. Okay, hey, uh, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Alberto. Hi, Alberto. So now what's next? And I'm like, you know, and he's laying on cockpit and just maybe about a couple of hundred feet away. There's like a good area of grass and some trees. I said, hey, Alberto, I, just a thought. You think you'd rather lay in the grass under the trees? You know, drink some water and hang out over there? He said, yeah, yeah, I, I, but my feet are killing me. It's terrible. And he actually pulls down his sock and his feet are in horrific, I mean, terrible condition. So I'm like, well, hey, how about, I'll help you. I'll carry your stuff and we'll get, we'll get on over there. He says, oh, okay, I, 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 I'll do that. I'll do that. And so, you know, what did I do? I just helped him along. I felt compassion, and I just acted on that. I don't know where it was going to take me. I don't know what would have happened. I just acted on what God put in me and how God made me, huh? And I just moved. I just moved him up a little bit, right? You know, like if you live in Winchendon and you move to Gardner, you've moved up a little bit, right? <laughs> I had. A, I, had a <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but it did. And okay. I, uh, I needed some help. I was kind of emotionally getting a little overwhelmed up here. So sorry for you Winchenden in people. I know. It. It's been a while, though, since I've bashed you. So, so sometimes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. We just, we just get so caught up in ourselves, you know, instead of just moving forward with compassion. And instead we suppress it. And what we're doing is we're suppressing something God's given us to fill us, you know, that through self-denial, we'd actually get self-fulfillment huh, and draw closer to him. So, look, I don't know, you know. And, yeah, I did. I, you say, well, d- how did it end? It ended with me staring in there, okay, and I'm going to say goodbye now, and, and uh, I come to this place of what I call a combination of a ministry of presence and feeling incompetent. Because you're going to tell Alberto, God bless you, god loves you huh and at that point i feel very incompetent as a minister i feel incompetent as a christian but i become very comfortable with my incompetence knowing that i am not god huh and i don't have to reconcile this i just need to know that god has this ministry of presence that right now how wonderful it is you know that i can just be here and just share with this man and saying you know alberto um i i I believe God is, is with us, and I I hope, I pray that you can sense his presence in the midst of all this pain and suffering, because if you do, you'll know peace. And I pray, Alberto, that you could have great peace by being close to God. He smiled, he shook his head, and I said, hey, you know, God be with you, peace be with you, and I, I moved on, right? You, you Look, That's. it's hard. And as I walked away, I turned a corner, and I started to just... Literally, I I started to become overwhelmed and I started to cry. And then I wiped my hands my face and I said, Oh God, I'm gonna get a disease because I shook his hand and I carried his stuff. <laughs> and I said, Oh God, forgive me. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go blind and So you know you work, dude. You where you need to know, look, don't make this you're you're not to be this miracle worker. You're not to have all the answers. You're just you're just uh have compassion and to act on your compassion and to know that it's given to you by God and to move forward in that right just to help somebody along a little bit more now Christy knows could that have taken me on a track that t-? yes it could have taken me on a track for the day you know, what about the responsibilities you had over there I don't know we would have figured that out you know but probably not a bad thing when you got 2,000 Christians walking into a place that somebody would stop to help this man huh? Far be it on our watch that this church that we would ignore him. Don't do that. Let them know Chair City Church is a community of people who have compassion and have the courage to live out that compassion, yes? All right. So the next way is, i have got to move through this quickly. The next thing about living out compassion practically is compassion willingly pays a price. It is. It's going to be costly and it's going to be messy. In Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 35, Jesus is telling a story. And he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he's attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, Jesus goes on to say that after a priest and a Levite, Jewish leaders, Jewish teachers, after they ignored the injured man, it says now a Samaritan... As he traveled, came to where the man was, and he saw him, and he took pity on him. And he went down, and he bandaged the man, and he he helped him with his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. That's like a day's wage, or maybe as much as two days' wage today. And he gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. Wow. So you look at it, probably. he probably gives a guy four to $500 so hey, take care of him. And, and, you know, meaning helping the Samaritan, the Samaritan's compassion cost him something. Yes? But for us, we, sometimes I think we're looking for this cheap version of compassion, right? Like a drive-by compassion, you know? I'll click on their post versus I'll bring them a mail, right? Uh, I'll click on their per- post versus I'll invite them to lunch so they can just, you know, pour out a bit, Right? I'll pop her out of the text, okay, yeah, yeah, praying for you, instead of actually going over her home and taking the kids for the night so she can just have some downtime, huh? This is Christianity. Compassion to action, huh? And then seeing God glorified. This is what I know. Listen, we, this is part of our culture. This is what you are joining. This is the community that you are part of. We as a church Every year, invest thousands of hours and thousands of dollars into other people and into communities in this, in this city that help others. And I'm so grateful that you've trusted me as a pastor and came alongside of me in, in my vision to do this. And it stands out. This past week, Christy and myself and my family were called to an event. There was you know a few hundred people there. People, predominantly, if not all, from the city of Gardner, dignitaries, people, and they called us there to give us an award, to give me an award. Right? (laughs) Is it up there? I don't even know if I can read that. We hereby... Oh... Yeah, how cool is that? That's okay right there. It's signed by the Speaker of the House. It's signed by State Representative Zlotnick. So this is coming from the State House of Massachusetts to me in recognition of my service to the city. Now, hold on. That's you. They're recognizing me, but all that I've done, I've done with you. We've done it together. They're recognizing our church. Before they gave me that award, they talked about Chair City Church, and right? They talked on and on about the church and the people, and to see them in action is just, the guy said, you've got to see these people in action. The way they care for others, where they come together, the way they mobilize, how they're so unselfish, it's just so impressive how they rally around Dave, and they go out there you know, and do what they believe. Isn't that awesome, huh? My name's on that award, that award, that award where we are being recognized by the government, huh? And by our community, huh? As being for the city and serving the city and caring for others. That is a great testimony to what God is doing in this church, and that is a testimony that glorifies God, yes? Listen. Sharing a link to awareness isn't going to cut it. Hashtag bring our girls back doesn't do it. Hashtag blah, 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 blah isn't going to do it, right? I'm not mocking anyone. I'm just giving you truth. It's not going to cut it. Compassion will do it. Acting on your compassion. And when you act on your compassion, it's going to cost you something. We're We're moving into a new meeting place soon. I'll talk about that at the end. As Christy said, we are right there. And when we do, there's going to be all these opportunities for you to care for others. They're real opportunities for you to engage others by serving them. Yes, serving this community, but serving them that they might come to know Jesus. Serving them that they might be encouraged. Listen, this is the nature of compassion, to serve others. And, in, and it does so in a way that moves them. They truly feel that someone else cares about them by the actions of the other person. And we do this, we're truly following Jesus. Some of you, it is, to, is I believe in, is going to step up and you're going to help out in Kids Church. We do. There's an opportunity for you to be involved in Kids Church as we go into the new building. It's here now. It will increase substantially. Our kids' ministries will nearly double. I sense they'll double in numbers of kids, but they'll also double in the way we're breaking it up so that we can give a better environment for these children. So rather than have three, four, and five all together, we'll just have three and four, and five will be in six, and two, two, they just go by themselves in some room, you know. And thank God the twos are not going to be with the zero and the ones anymore. Just a safer environment, better for the kids. That's... That's an op- there's an opportunity there. There's a, a two year old waiting for one of you to bring some comfort and nurturing and kindness into their life in an atmosphere where Jesus is being glorified. And that mom and dad or mama or grandparent, what an opportunity that you would interact with them and bring encouragement into their life, right? That's what it is. There's opportunities on the, the music on the music team right here. There are opportunities in the production. We're going to be, that's going to be increasing there. Lighting, sound, video, all opportunities. There are opportunities when it comes to, you know, all right, we're not going to be setting up anymore. We got people pouring into a parking lot. We got different entrances. There are hallways, big hallways, opportunities. People coming into not one aisle now, but three aisles. So there are opportunities to be an usher, meaning to to greet people, to give them instructions. There are opportunities on a first impression, which is just going to be grand. Opportunities in the parking lot to to direct people, especially when we first get going. Where are they going to park? All these opportunities in different ways for you to turn around and serve and to do so out of compassion, knowing that what you're doing will be a part of someone coming to know Christ. We don't have membership here. We have participation. Okay, That's, that's how you're a part of what we do. That's how you're a significant. You, you participate. Not by signing anything. Not by, you know, but no. We participate, right? And you have such an incredible opportunity to participate in seeing someone come to know Christ. And how's that compassion? Why? To do nothing? And consider them going to eternal damnation? Is there, there's nothing more compassionate than being a part of somebody coming to know Christ, right? Because ultimately, that's more important than anything else, that they would be in eternity, that they would be their father in heaven for in eternity, rather than go to eternal damnation, rather than go to hell. That's what I believe is more important than anything else. You've got to believe that. And when you step out, and, and there are countless, meaning countless, countless stories of people that have come into churches, and this church in particular, and because of being served by others, we're significant in them beginning the journey, continuing the journey, in them coming to know Christ, yes? We are a team. Choose today to be a part of that. Choose today to serve. I think, you know what, did they pass out the cards? You have a card. Oh yeah, it's right here, okay. You have a card that says join the team. Creative arts team, that's the music. That's the sound, that's the lighting. Family ministries team, that's the nursery, the preschool. Listen, I said it's costly and it's messy. The nursery is very messy, Okay. <laughs> first impression team we talked about it you know greeting people next steps table parking lot ushers all that they have a blast together people have met people have met and gotten married in these in these teams they have Group facilitate, meaning, you know, group, that's the life groups. You want to facilitate. You want to host. So you know what? I'm going to serve. I'm going to have compassion for my community and and, of, of church, followers of Christ, believing that what I'm doing is going to see somebody come to know Christ or really increase their edification of knowing Jesus. I'm going to open up my home, and I'm going to be a host for a life group, right? I've never known anybody to regret it. And why? It's because this is how God made us to live out this compassion, to live out outside ourselves. You know, when they gave me the award... The, the gentleman who presented the award, after speaking about our capacity to volunteer, he said this. I want you to hear this, because I said, wow, that's a great quote. He said, volunteers don't have more time, they just have more heart. Huh, right? They just have more heart. There's never going to be enough time, I promise you, <laughs> you know. But somehow, when you, when you live from your heart, when you, which is the, which is, which is the seat of your emotions and your morals, Wow, somehow you just get stretched as a human being. Okay, where are we? It's time to close, and I have two pages to go. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. All right. (laughs) All right, so where am I going to do here? All right. So look, I want to say another thing as we move towards closing here. You've got an opportunity. You'll see them. We've been kind of focused on the building, but you're going to start to see coming May and June, July, we're going to go into our mode of serving the community, of getting together with one another. Every, every two, three weeks, you're going to hear it coming up. And the next one, the first one coming up is May 24th, the GCAC banquet. You probably saw it out in an email, but this is where we as a church come alongside the, the GCAC, the Gardner Community Action Center or committee. Somebody help me. I just know it is GCAC. Huh? We've been doing this for years now where we give them a volunteer banquet. Now, every, week we have, or every other week we have people from the church to go there to join them in a fellowship table where they, where they work with people from the GCAC to help feed people, give them a sit-down meal. How awesome is that, right? But then we upped it up. We, you know, filled with compassion and admiration for this agency that feeds thousands of people every year, that helps people with utilities. They have helped people in here with utilities, with a finding a place to live, huh? They are so meaningful to the city. They're an asset to the city. That we come alongside them filled with compassion, and we take action, and they have these volunteers. Really what fuels them is volunteers that come in to help out. We give, their, we give them a banquet. We rent out to, we don't, the PACC barely charges us now. And we have what? I think it's like anywhere from 70 to 90 people from that, are on their, that are part of their board and all their volunteers. They come and they get a good meal and a good time. They do some business. They do some uh, contact with each other. It might be the only time the whole year that they're all together in one place. I wouldn't be surprised. But how great is that? And you have the opportunity to sign up to be a part of that night in different ways. And when you get the email, you'll see what you can do. But right now think, man, I want to have compassion OK, to take action, to help this agency, to show them we value, you, you're appreciated, we care about you and we care about you. Yes? Because of all the good you're doing in this community. So let's do that. Okay. So worship team one, you come on up. Listen. So, this, so when you sacrifice, you pay that price. Look, I don't know where Alberto is this morning. I don't. I pray I pray that he did sense the presence of God. I pray that he has found peace in God. I pray that somebody else came into his path that day and, th- and they just kept piling on compassion after compassion, huh? But I know that showing compa- that acting out of compassion, that powerful godly emotion of compassion, that bringing an action to it, made me feel. So closer to God. It made me open up a dialogue, albeit a questionable wonderment, but a dialogue with God. It made me search myself. It made me just see the wonder of who God is all in that several minutes, by the time I got back to Christie, huh? And that put me in a wonderful place to be able to receive the blessings that God had later on that day. I always wonder, man, I, if, we, if we could just see them how it mapped out, who knows if I would have just went on my way that day and took my course and my schedule, and what I was going to do, where, what would have wound up? I, I just, who knows, huh? That if I would have just been deterred by my schedule and my finances and my plan and been caught up in myself, I wonder how that day would have turned out. I'm telling you now, there's no way it could have turned out as good as it did. And I believe it was because I honored God, lived from that emotion of compassion, took action and just, did a small, small thing. Probably the whole of it took 15 minutes into that man's life. Yes, why don't you stand with me? John chapter, 1 John 3.18 says, Let us love not with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Let us not be a church that says we care and not take action. Let us be a church that loves this city and shows it by our care with actions. Yes? Listen. If you want to choose... To live in a way that honors God. If you want to choose to live in a way that where you believe in Jesus, you have confidence in him, you trust in him. When people look at your lives, they're like, wow, you, you follow Jesus. If that's you today and, and you haven't lived like that, either you don't believe in God or you question about this Jesus thing or, or you've been considering it, you're kind of in and out. Well, maybe today's the morning where you commit yourself. You literally give of yourself to God. You say that today's the day where I'm going to trust in Jesus. He is going to be the center of my life. I am going to consider my love for Jesus, his love for me. I'm going to just yield and trust in him with all things in my life today. I'm going to begin to follow him. And that today I'm I'm going to begin that by considering the compassion he had for me. That my Jesus, being overwhelmed with compassion, gave his life for me. That my sins, those things that I've done that have been a, that have been against God, and have brought me to be apart from God that that's going to be reconciled that's going to be healed and I'm going to be in right position to know God I'm going to be in a right position to talk to God there's going to be this freedom of living in this way of being oppressed and kept down by living out this way that really brings damage to me and to people I love and totally fogs me and clouds me and disables me from coming closer to God this stuff called sin well, now I'm just going to turn to Jesus. I'm going to turn away from the way I'm living, and I'm going to thank him for the compassion he had for me, how he took action for me, that I could be here right now and think such a way and feel such a way and be filled with hope as I trust in Jesus now, and I think of eternity with God.